Welcome to Just Think, the podcast. The podcast where we don't want to tell you what to think. We just want to encourage you to do it. We are three friends that came from across the political spectrum who were tired of partisan politics and were alarmed at what we saw happening in our country, including the growing political divide. But we found as we challenged ourselves to recognize our own biases, to put them aside, we were absolutely united in our pursuit for the truth. And that's why we started this podcast to share the conversations we were having around that pursuit and to invite you into our conversation. To encourage you to feel free to ask questions. Search for the answers yourself to say what you think. That's right, because as we like to say, diversity of thought, ideas, and beliefs are welcome here. Asshats are not. (laughs) (laughs) All are welcome as long as you just think. Welcome back to another episode of Just Think, the podcast. This is Holly. And Amy. And Kristen. And today we are so excited to share with you a guest whose book we've been reading, but someone we've been following for quite a while. You may know Dr. Naomi Wolf as a Yale graduate. She's an, she's an educated woman. <laughs> she uh, was a Rhodes Scholar at Oxford, the, uh, the new college, and But I think where most people know Naomi and how she got into these elite circles was being a journalist and a writer and a feminist. She was one of the most well-known feminists I know of my time. And she wrote The Beauty Myth back in the 90s that many of us women are uh, new or read. And she started a tech company years ago as, as the Daily Clout. And we found Dr. Naomi Wolf when we started researching vaccine passports. And she was the first voice I heard who said, this is the hill we die on. That if you, if something about these vaccine passports feels really wrong to you, it should, and here's why. She brings a wealth of experience from having been inside some of these wealthy elite circles. She's been an advisor to the Clintons and the Gores and she's seen how politics works in DC. I know your, I think your former husband even worked as a, a speechwriter for Bill Clinton when the Lewinsky scandal broke. You talk about mm-hmm. that in your book. And this guys is a book we're recommending every single one of you read and share the bodies of others, the new authoritarians, COVID-19 and the war against the human. Dr. Naomi Wolf, we are so excited to have you. We would love to start out by asking you, You come from, you even say you're a child of the left. I, as our listeners know, am a child of the right. And you're a child of the left. Kristen was a child of the center. I was the head in the sand. (laughs) She was head in the sand, girl. Rainbows and unicorns. But but we all have arrived. 2020 happened, and we all came to this point where regardless of our political affiliation, no matter how much the world's tried to divide us, we are seeing the same things and finding the same facts. So tell us, how did you, and I know you write about it in your book, but tell our audience, how did you have your alarms go off and realize something is very wrong here? Yeah, so great questions. And thank you for that warm welcome. Um, well, I was, I was well prepared to notice early that, you know, earlier maybe than most people, um, that something was really wrong in 2020 because I'd written a book in 2008 called The End of America. And in that book, and that was during the Bush two era. And uh, at that time, I looked at times and places in history when uh, 
a would-be tyrant on the left or the right, because they're very similar, right, when, when tyranny is at stake, um, wanted to close down a democracy. And I saw that they always did the same 10 things. Uh, they took the same 10 steps, um, whether it was in Nazi Germany or Mussolini's Italy or East Germany in the 50s or Argentina, um, China. Uh, they all did the same 10 things. And the 10th the step is, is called... Um, martial law or suspending the rule of law, emergency law. So because I had been prepared for understanding how serious, uh, how serious a step it is historically to declare emergency law, and also that when you do declare emergency law, you, you pretty much never give people their rights back um, voluntarily. You know, I, like you can't name times in history where uh, a leader said, okay, emergency law, I have emergency powers. Oh, emergency is over. You get all your all your rights back. It just doesn't happen. So because I'd done that research, um, I did realize by about uh, probably April um, or, or May of 2020, when we were still under emergency law in New York State, that um, something horrible was happening. And I guess the other thing I would say is that um, I'm an English major, I'm not a medical doctor, but the great thing about being an English major is that I'd read novels, you know, and, and journals and memoirs going back 250 years in Britain and America. And what that means is I knew perfectly well that there had been much worse waves of infectious diseases over and over and over again in Britain and America. In fact, my book that was very publicly canceled and pulped was about um, typhus and cholera epidemics in the 1840s in Britain that allowed the state to seize everyone's um, rights and, and invade their privacy and so on. But I knew that we'd lived through far worse um, epidemics, yellow fever, uh, I mentioned cholera and typhus, um, you know, the Spanish flu, uh, bubonic plague, you know, um, um, tuberculosis, uh, you know, HIV, even in the in 1980s, which I'm old enough to remember the, the peak of that epidemic. So never before had people been, had quarantine looked like this in, in the West. Never before had we locked down healthy people in houses along with sick people. Never had we suppressed um, commerce, never had we kept children from going to school. Even in war zones, you know, kids are not kept home from school because, or, you know, everyone knows that the community has to survive and that's how the community survives is by engaging in commerce, uh, kids getting educated and so on. So I knew it was totally anomalous what was happening. Um, and I guess that was sort of the beginning of my asking questions. Well, what I think is interesting, and I want people to know, you knew history, or you knew some history, right? All your reading, yeah. and this is why history is so important, and knowing history is so important. My my kids are history buffs, and they helped me, even with some of this, like, well, mom, in history, here's what's happened, and so that's an important piece, but I think the other piece that you share in the book that is unique to you from, say, Kristen Amuri is you ran in elite circles, and you knew the people in charge, yeah. Can, you shed, can you shed more light on that for our listeners so that they can go back to your book and read more about this? But how did, what were you seeing and what did you know about these people that you saw kicking into action? Yeah, so I, you know, I feel kind of embarrassed about that aspect of my bio, but it's because it, it's weird to say I hung out with the global elite, but that's just the fact, you know, for four decades, I 
I hung out with the club elite. They were my, you know, friends and colleagues. And um, and they're not, you know, one by one monsters. Of course, they're pleasant people, but in an aggregate, they've become monsters. And here's what I mean. Um, I understood also from being in those privileged circles that a meta-national kind of community had coalesced uh, of people from all over the world, you know, whether it's China or Russia or Switzerland or Britain or America, um, Iceland, it really didn't matter. And that these people had more in common with each other than they ever did with their fellow uh, nation state citizens. Um, and that uh, they were creating decision-making structures um, that, that I was aware of, you know, especially in the worlds of finance, but also in the worlds of nonprofits, you know, public health type uh, entities, scientific entities that, that transcend nation states. And I saw them several times, and I describe this in the book, uh, take especially the finance guys, take the popular will of an entire nation, like the nation of Greece, which is the example I use, or, um, or the, the will of the people of uh, an island called Madeira, in, it, which is part of Portugal. And these people just literally overrode, you know, multiple times that I witnessed the popular will, the democratically elected policies and, and outcomes that the people of those nation states wanted and simply rode roughshod over them. And what was more striking to me, I mean, you know, people engage in tyranny, right? That's a, a natural human bias. People want power. They want all the power. They don't want to give up power. But what was so striking is that the um, transnational kind of community and consensus that these elites were part of, let them do it with zero uh, self-reflection, zero conscience. Um, they, they had a discourse, and I quote people in The Bodies of Others describing this, of, you know, ordinary people are not equipped to make decisions about their lives. We have to do it. Um, we have to do it for their own good, for their own benefit. And I was so stunned. You know, I didn't just hear this once. It wasn't just some weirdo fringe loser in, in a basement somewhere. Right. This was a, a, a central discourse in the circles in which I was running. We have to decide. Um, we can't let them decide. Um, and, and I guess the last thing is I looked more closely at uh, the EU um, and, and also at these kind of transnational agreements that are increasingly being foisted on us, uh, even in North America. And what became clear from the structure of the EU is that it was literally set up to pretend to be a, a meta-democracy, but not to be a meta-democracy in any way at all. And that it was set up to kind of look really good for 40 years, but with all of the basic elements of democracies of nation states hollowed out so that at one moment, and this is what happened in 2020, uh, a string could be pulled and the whole thing could collapse, um, leaving what you know what you see now, the people of France, the people of Italy, the people of, of, of uh, Germany, absolutely unable to chart their own path um, or to resist things like the, the Green Pass or things like um, you know, forced masking or uh, forced injections and so on. Yeah. Mm. And that's what's so to me, you even shared this example of in Canada that you had been a journalist along with, it was it Christia Freeland? 
And she's now the deputy prime minister to Trudeau. She was the face that was on Canada saying, we will lock you up if you, you know, participate in these protests, if you help these protesters. And you had a moment where you had seen her as journalists and she said to you, I'm going to get into politics. I'm going to run. And, and you had the thought then, wow, that's a huge career jump. You must know powerful people. That was your thought then. Right. And then fast forward to, to the pandemic and you see her on TV right. and you realize what? That she did have powerful connections. And what was that connection that you found out that she had? So the, the unifying uh, thread for all of these puppets that are doing the exact same things to the free people of the world in Canada and France, in Germany and New Zealand and Australia, um, they're, they're all World Economic Forum graduates or members of that um, meta-national community. And so they're getting their scripts from a central mm -hmm. location. Um, it's, it allowed them to create something we've never seen before in human history, which is a global lockstep script in which you get the same memes and AI helps with this. And I talk about that a little bit as well, but um, you know, the, the same meme of don't visit your grandmother because you'll kill her is being rolled out in, in Canada, you know, in Australia, in India, in Pakistan, you know, it translated into Hindi, translated into Urdu. It's literally the same around the world. So the World Economic Forum can coordinate that. I, you know, being a Rhodes Scholar, I, I, I laugh when people um, who are not as well connected, I'm going to say, as you know, as I've been, uh, talk about conspiracy theories because they've never seen how easy it is for a global uh, community of elites. And the, the Rhodes Scholarship doesn't do the exact same thing, right? But they do coordinate, they do create, they do support certain policies and certain outcomes um, and, and sort of choose Rhodes Scholars who are in medicine or in AI, if their focus is going to be on medicine or on AI and so on. It's super easy to run history in a certain direction if you have a few key people around the world who are in communication and are in alliance. Um, and that's what we saw. The World Economic Forum, and I spell this out in the bodies of others, um, in, in loose but definite alliance with the Chinese Communist Party, which is the muscle essentially, um, with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, other bad nonprofits like One Health, Eco Health Alliance, um, and entities like the, the WHO, uh, they and, and big tech companies, they loosely allied to bring about this one outcome for the whole world. And they are not done. And, and you know, I made the case in the bodies of others that this is a war against human beings. It's a war against human culture. It's, it's an effort to create a post-humane world in which we ask permission of technology and of our overlords to, to be human, to engage in human worship, human commerce, human education, human assembly. Um, and they've largely succeeded. Wow. 100%. And that's... Um, Go ahead, Amy. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say one of the other things that I know that we wanted to touch on because I know your, your time is limited was, is the whole vaccine. You know, we know that you have the 3000 medical and scientific volunteers mm -hmm. that are, are pouring through all the Pfizer documents. We know that you know, there was the first dump of, of documents that were supposed to be, you know, kept from us for like 79 years. And then the second dump and you have found so many things. But what, what really struck me is that in your, in your, was it like the blog 
the facing the beast, facing your, the beast. your Substack, outspoken. Um, so anybody, y'all need to y'all need to get on that too. Subscribe yes. to her Substack. But after um, you guys poured through that, you said that you were seeing an act of war, not just a greedy pharmaceutical company or not just medicine gone wrong, but an actual act of war. So I'd love for you to tell our listeners how you came to that conclusion. Sure, it's probably the most important thing I could share with anyone right now, and I appreciate you giving me the chance. So as a former political consultant, um, I know that you only can understand what's going on by reading events backwards, meaning at the highest level of politics, uh, leaders will choose a goal or an outcome that they want first, and then go backwards and create a narrative to persuade people to get to that goal, right? You don't, you don't start with the narrative. Um, and so no matter what we're told, I always ask myself, well, what's the outcome? What's the effect? What's the, what's the goal here? So the effect of these mRNA vaccines is that people are dropping dead, right? Mm -hmm. Young people are, are sustaining heart damage. Um, our, our, our military is being uh, completely incapacitated. Our first responders, our police, our firefighters, our, our doctors and nurses are being incapacitated. Um, our medical systems can't run. Uh, it, it, you know, society's in chaos. Um, our economy took a horrible hit. That's the effect, right? Um, so it doesn't matter, you know, to, you, you could have Rochelle Walensky or Dr. Fauci say till the cows come home, these are the best injections in the world. They have 95% of efficacy. Um, I knew that the, the effect is that there's an act of war, is that you know, we're, we're being weakened, we're being uh, uh, maimed you know, or, or killed outright by these injections. So now let me move back a little bit. As you mentioned, um, we put out a call on War Room, Steve Bannon's podcast and Daily Clout, my site, for volunteers who are highly trained to read through these 55,000 documents released, Pfizer documents, internal documents released under court order, which as you noted, the, the FDA asked the court to keep hidden for 75 years because they knew what, what we would find. And to their great credit, 3,000 experts responded. Um, lab clinicians, biostatisticians, medical fraud investigators, et cetera, highly credentialed people. I'm not a medical doctor. You know, we need the experts. So they've been issuing reports. Anyone can read them on Daily Cloud. And what they're issuing reports of, and I've seen these documents too, and I've, I've witnessed it, is a massive crime. You know, it is, it is wow. 1,200 deaths in, in three months. It's four people dying on the same day they were injected. It's lactating women's breast milk turning blue-green. It's a 360 degree attack on the reproductive cycle, suppression of sperm count and sperm motility, suppression of lactation. Uh, pregnant women were told the vaccines were safe. The only study was a rat experiment of 42 French rats. It was run by employees of Pfizer and BioNTech. Um, they, you know, they didn't follow the baby rats to see if they were okay. Um, they, you had 270 women got pregnant anyway in, in the trials, the internal documents. They lost the records of 235. Of the 36 that remained, 28 of the babies died, right? You have uh, babies in VAERS 
um, 56 babies go into multi-organ system failure, going into seizures. You have babies uh, nursing from lactating mothers who have a failure to thrive. They're agitated. They're not growing. We found that there's polyethylene glycol in breast milk. It's a petroleum byproduct from vaccinated mothers. So, you know, the, the Pfizer documents define exposure to the vaccine as including conception, uh, inhalation, and skin contact. That's their definition. Conce you know, you sexual intercourse is is how they define exposure to the vaccine. So what is that doing wow. to the next generation, right? So this is, um, you know, this is not like everything I'm describing, I haven't even gotten to, and like words almost fail me, but it's like thousands and thousands and thousands of cases of joint pain, like crippling arthritis, muscle pain, uh, crippling myalgia, um, but also thousands of neurological harms, um, Guillain-Barre, a multiple sclerosis, encephaly, a million variations of encephaly, a million variations of kidney disease, liver damage, uh, so many blood clots, lung clots, leg clots, hemorrhages, strokes, heart attacks, tachycardia, myocarditis, pericarditis. So massive, like, like I'm trying to co communicate this as someone who's witnessed these documents. It's like if you found the files at Auschwitz, you know, death, 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 injury, 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 injury. So this is not, and this is not just a month. And then they're like, holy heck, you know, let's, there's something wrong here, let's stop it. It's 14 months and it's ongoing. And at the bottom of every one of these documents, practically it says FDA confidential. So the agency that is tasked with keeping us safe saw all of this and kept it going. And I'm, I'm getting to, to the answer, but another really two very important pieces of evidence, this is a war crime, right? That, that is global um, via China. Now we're getting into the, not just the what, but the how. Yes. Um, one, one piece of evidence, I knew I would find China I would find the smoking gun if I look, if I kept looking. I knew, I knew that I would, and I've been saying that publicly, you know, that this is, uh, I, I'm looking at a, a war crime. It's not just a bad pharmaceutical company, right? Um, you see what happens with bad pharmaceutical products like Mirena or, you know, silicone breast implants. When there's 50 bad outcomes, they pull it, you know, because who wants that? That's not what was happening here. Um, so it was going on and on. So an, an important piece of evidence is that of the 43,000 adverse events cases, which are really about 150,000 because a lot of people had multiple problems, over 35,000 were in the United States alone. The next biggest uh, sector was Western Europe, notably Britain, then Germany, then France, then Italy, Spain, Greece. I think you see you know, where I'm going with this. And, and the last group of all the 56 rest of the countries of the world where this rollout took place totaled 7,000 adverse events cases in the Pfizer documents. So that's not random, right? That's not random. You'd have random distribution unless there was a targeting of the United States and Western Europe. The other really important thing to understand is I saw from the Pfizer documents how easy it is to take people out by, by doing things as simple as using a different brand. Moderna is three times more toxic than Pfizer. It has 100 micrograms of 
spike protein, lipid nanoparticles, mRNA, Pfizer has 30 micrograms for adults. So, and, 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 and in the Pfizer documents, they identify 100 micrograms as they have to drop it internally because it's too toxic to even use in the internal experiments. They dropped it due to its reactogenicity. But no one who took the Moderna first and second booster at dose, like my mom, were told this. Oh, whoops, you know, this is too much. Don't take a booster. Let's plot you. Nothing. Um, so just by manipulating either the brand or the dosage, um, dilution, or even how long the, uh, the, the adjuvant, the liquid stays out of the refrigerator, um, because lipid nanoparticles solidify at room temperature, solidify at body temperature, right? Which is why they're only supposed to be out for two hours, but Pfizer mislabeled the most recent tranche so you can leave them out for 12 hours, right? Well, all of that creates uh, an almost like perfect crime situation where you can, if you wanna take out you know, sports stars, you can take out sports stars. If you wanna take out uh, mayors of small towns in Germany, I believe 50 mayors in Austria, um, you, you know, and healthy men in their 50s just died, you know, after they were injected. Well, you can take out mayors, you know, if you want to take out dissidents, you can take out dissidents. I certainly noticed that in my community here in upstate New York, in the little towns around here, the person who knows everything died of it of a heart attack soon after the injections were rolled out. Like the person who knows how to get things done, who understands local government, who's the local leader, those, those, those guys, usually men in their 50s or early 60s, gone, passed away, dropped dead. So um, all of, and there's one other important piece of evidence, which is there was an experiment done by a group of uh, Hong Kong-based scientists, which means overseen by the Chinese Communist Party in, August of 2021 that showed that the first injection of rats causes a little bit of damage. And then the second injection causes enlarged hearts, visible white patches, cytokine storms and liver damage. So they knew that the boosters are just adding poison, a poisonous load to the body, right? And, and that that the poisonous load with each sequential injection um, cr creates a vis visible damage to the organs of, of these rats, these mammals. So all, all of that then, um, I saw that the SEC filing for BioNTech uh, completed 100% tech transfer to China in 2021. BioNTech is the Pfizer subsidiary that makes the vaccines. And then I looked further and I saw that BioNTech isn't a German company, it's a German Chinese company. It created an MOU, a Memorandum of Understanding with Fosun Pharmaceuticals, which is part of Sinopharm, which is part of the Chinese Communist Party apparatus. Um, its CEO is a senior member of the Chinese Communist Party and Fosun Pharma created a billion doses, but they didn't stay in China. They now have Fosun Pharma US in Boston, Mass, and in Princeton, New Jersey. And Fosun Pharma US is making the Pfizer injections, the Pfizer COVID pills, the Merck COVID pills, the antigen tests, and the PCR tests, which people are forced to put in their nose every week. Kids in school are forced to put in their nose every week, and which, which is the only evidence that there has been a pandemic.
is these right. PCR tests, right? It's all right. manufactured by the Chinese Communist Party. And these injections, which are leading people to drop dead or sustain lifetimes of damage, are also being manufactured by the Chinese Communist Party. So that is my summary of what I found uh, in terms of this act of war. I'm just like, shoo. I have a sad question, though. When you say Moderna is, you know, you find that it's like more powerful. How come we never hear about Moderna as always Pfizer? Is there a reason? Do y'all, I never hear about Moderna. Like in yeah. the, nobody talks about it. I do feel like that that's true. I mean, because it's the Pfizer dump that we're getting that, you know, Pfizer, which, yeah. But then we Oh, have I see what you're saying. Yeah. Well, you don't you don't hear about the Moderna. There is no Moderna dump because right. um, the the Pfizer records only emerged because Aaron series group did a successful yeah. uh, lawsuit and yes. forced them to release the documents for Pfizer. Yeah. Um, no one's done that yet for Moderna successfully. So that's why we're not seeing the internal documents. So they're trying them. to hide it too. They're, they're hiding their information too. Now I've, also what's interesting because I've looked at the Pfizer documents is when you're going over all of those, you know, studies when they're showing, they, I mean, it's right there on Pfizer, the 12, 1,223 deaths, you know, the, all of the neurological, you know, issues, the babies and everything. And after everyone, even the cardiac emergencies, the note at the bottom says no sign of issues, like no sign of safety signals. Like it says it on there after it tells you all of this and it's ridiculous. And then with the kids, you know, that there's no, even Dr. Paul Offit came out and blatantly said, he was like, I can't believe everybody voted. He's like only one of two that voted no for these, isn't it the kid, the uh, Omicron, uh, the, for the kids. And he said, because I saw no evidence, this has to make people think, I mean, and it goes right along with what you're saying. It's like that none of this makes sense. There has to, there is another agenda. There is something else going on to have to inject our babies who have already 75% have already had had the illness or have the seropositivity. Yeah. So it's, sh which, which indicates they have natural immunity, right. which they're trying to do away with that. It's just all scary. One other question I have, when you're talking about this, um, the companies being, uh, the vaccine being tied to the Chinese Communist Party, you know, Trump was in office when this all went down. We all feel like he was very much trying to shut China down. You know, he's, he's being harder on China than any other president. But then we have Operation Warp Speed. And it's just like, how did this even happen? I guess we're wondering from your perspective, you know, this is where it gets the, the political stuff comes in because people are like either Trump or Biden, it's being really pushed now that Biden's in office. Trump started it. Did he know that this was, I mean, I, I right. guess we're just confused on how this even came yeah. to be. Yeah, I actually, you know, I didn't vote for President Trump and I, I don't like him personally, but I actually have a lot of increasing compassion for him around this particular question because um you know as i mentioned i was married to a white house you mentioned i was married to a white house speech writer and of course i mentioned uh, advising two campaigns you know the president has to trust his scientific advisors at a certain point he's not a scientist he you know he's got a million other things to do other than sit down and read the studies himself or herself. And, um, you know, Dr. Fauci is the president's chief scientific advisor. Um, president has a chief medical advisor. Those are the people, you know, any president really has to take guidance from their experts who are tasked with interpreting the data for the president. The other thing I wanna note is that, um, 
you know, one of the chapters of the bodies of others talks about all the money going from uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and now our own tax dollars to buy up the US media and the Western media to, to tell only one story about the vaccines and the lockdowns. So I remember when President Trump was being pretty gutsy in trying to face down China and also doing the right thing constitutionally in saying this is a state issue. The states have to decide state by state how they're gonna deal with it. That was the right thing to say, right? The constitution mm -hmm. does not allow the federal government to mandate the end of commerce or to mandate you know, injections as we're seeing because Biden's not getting away with it. Um, but even while Trump was trying to do the right things and also, you know, believing, why would you not believe Pfizer? Why would you not believe Moderna? Why would you not believe, you know, these gigantic publicly traded companies? Well, Moderna's new, but, you know, Johnson & Johnson's been around forever, right? Um, he, he had to, you know, trust his scientific advisors, but also the media was saying every single day, uh, Trump is, is murdering people. Um, and, and I mean, even friends of mine, the Great Barrington Declaration signatories, they came out in October of 2020 and said lockdowns are bad. This is bad for people's health. This is right. going to you know, lead to starvation. They were called murderers. You know, I, I have loved ones who would, I was so excited, uh, you know, about introducing Jay Bhattacharya and, you know, Martin Kulldorff and Jeffrey Tucker to people I, I know and love. And they're like, oh, you know, those people want to let it rip. Scientists. They want to. They want to kill, you know, they want to kill elderly people. Um, this was a con an unrelenting propaganda refrain. And it's very hard politically when you're being told that you're murdering people every single day to, to, to hold fast. So I, you know, I, I think President Trump did the best he could. He was super tone deaf about it. You know, when he got COVID, he was super, super tone deaf. Um, I actually had a client running against him, you know, we, we helped create ads using his COVID response against him to help get, get Biden elected. So, you know, I know that issue really, really well, but, uh, you know, on reflection, you know, what could he have done? You can't second guess, uh, you, you can't even imagine. I mean, only now are we seeing that China was in league and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation were in league with Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, the CDC, Rochelle Walensky. You know, it is a cabal. How could we have possibly known this in advance of 2020? It's inconceivable that there would be treason at the highest levels of our federal agencies that's so comprehensive. Right. You are so great at laying this out in the book. I have to commend you for that Thank because you. it's an easy read. And I think people are really going to be able to put the whole picture together better with evidence that you cite. I mean, listen, the citations in the back of this book are vast. And I, I thank you for that because we like to bring receipts too. One thing that you pointed out that I thought was so important, you talk about Stanley Milgram and the Yale experiment, because you just said it's hard for us to imagine because well-meaning people who care about their fellow citizens don't think the way these people, and we say these people, we're talking about these wealthy elites that have a, an agenda here. They don't think like we do. And the, and the Milgram experiment proved that people, good people, would do evil things to each other if put in the right circumstances where a higher up was telling them what to do. 
And I think that's what people have to think about that, that 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 has been in play here. Could you believe how people bullied each other over masks, how they bullied each other over vaccinations? I mean, how did we get here? But you lay out how it's possible. You also lay out how China is methodical and patient, and they don't believe in fighting the U.S. power with might. They believe in fighting it with deception, right? And and that, I think, is what we want our listeners to learn from you, uh, Dr. Wolf, and, and we want them to also, because I know we have to wrap up here, but we want them to be challenged by you too, because you issue at the end of your book, if you don't mind me saying, you issue, you issue the same challenge that we issue our, our listeners now. We've gotten pretty bold in saying it, but this is what you said. You say you've been getting DMs from people you know socially or professionally, people from journalism, from politics, from medicine, from science, saying variations on Naomi, I really respect you and I totally agree with what you're saying, but I, of course, I can't say anything publicly because fill in the nonsensical craven reason such as my boss will get mad at me. And you're right. I was initially baffled by these messages. What do these people want? Why do they think I need their excuses? So I asked other braver people what this was. They laughed and they said, they want you to tell them that it's okay, but it is not okay. The DMs insist that I am brave but I am not brave, they're just cowards. I am beyond exasperated by those who stay in the shadows agreeing with the risk taking of others. And you go on to say, at this point, there is no middle. And mm -hmm. that's why we want people to read this book, yeah. Bodies of Others, and to know the facts and the information. And so in closing, we have to ask you this. You've clearly evolved in the way you see the world, the way you see what's happening. Um, and you are seeing things differently than they used to. And I think where people struggle is that cognitive dissonance that doesn't want to acknowledge. What do you think it was in you, Dr. Wolf, that pushed you past cognitive dissonance to accepting and embracing the reality of what's happening? Well, I'm not embracing it. Acknowledging. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess there are two things, right? And and you know, it's it's funny the shape that our blessings come in, because sometimes they look like our worst nightmares. But my, you know, grandmother lost nine brothers and sisters in the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. And so I know, and my dad, you know, was a refugee, an, an immigrant from, from Romania. So it's not that long ago that my people were, you know, what one minute we were having, you know, intact civil societies all over Central Europe. The next minute, you know, we were wearing yellow stars. The minute after that, we were being fed into ovens. So I, I know that can happen. Um, and, but also it's my own, I mean, how can I put this? Um, like I've been very privileged, you know, in my life in a lot of ways, but I was raped as a child. And the reason I bring this up by male babysitter, I bring this up because, you know, we in North America and Western Europe are, are kind of in a bubble of history that's very dangerous for us because for the last 60 years, nothing really bad has happened, right? And things have just gotten better and better and in our own lifetimes. 
you know, how this woman's crazy. How can you think there will be a global conspiracy to, you know, inject people with something that will kill them or damage them? That's, that's crazy talk, you know, let's go to the mall. Well, you know, I know from my own experience that not everybody's nice and people do horrible things and torture children and, you know, engage in unbelievably monstrous behavior. Um, and you can't, you know, you can't assume that because you live in a nice house, or you live in a nice community or you, you're upper middle class or whatever, that there are not monsters around you. So those are the two things, you know, I guess I was lucky to find out, even though, I mean, not in an easy way, but in a kind of, are you guys stupid? Look what's happening way, right. you know, when right. it would be very tempting to, you know, not, not look at uh, the possibility that we could be targeted for annihilation. Um, you know, rape survivors know that people can be targeted uh, for, for very cruel treatment and, um, you know, left for dead or whatever, you know, and uh, uh, I guess that's just a, a, a general way of saying, um, and this is why my, my, you know, the essay that you read at the end, I'm so exasperated because it's not like someone else isn't going to have to fight these fights, right? Yeah. It's not like you get, like, you don't get to stay in your cozy bubble anymore. No. You know, if you're in your yeah. cozy bubble, it means you're consigning other people to risk and danger and hell. Yes, yes that is exactly what oh, we want. Yes. If you are just relying on Dr. Wolf to write the Substack or the book or to go on television and say these things, if you're just relying on us on a podcast to tell you what's going on in the world, but you're not sharing it, you're not taking these conversations to your inner circles, you're staying quiet out of fear, you could, you're going to, you're going, your fear could end up in you having nothing, nothing, right. nothing. That's what fear yeah. can do to you. And it will do to you if you don't snap out of it. It well, is perpetuating the cycle. This is perpetuating the cycle too. Yeah. You're not saying anything. It's, it's we, the people. Well, and I think we you nailed it. it. We said people have been so comfortable. We've all, none of us have really lived through struggle and conflict, like, like what we, yeah. like in history mm -hmm. or other countries and we're, we're so blessed, so much so that we can't fathom mm -hmm. anything being really bad. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. I mean, I'll, I'll just say it's really time to wake up because of all the people that it's hard for me to forgive, it's hard for me to forgive doctors who know, but it's really yes. hard for me to forgive parents because the fact, you know, like what your child cannot stand up for his or herself, your child cannot protect him or herself from these injections. You know, and I know so many parents who are like, oh, well, the PTA will be mad at me. You know, like I we won't be invited for a play date. And I just, you know, uh -uh. you got to look at history. If you don't speak up now on behalf of yourself and your children um, and, and, and risk a little bit of ostracism or a little bit of professional blowback, you're right. There, there will be nothing, but also your child will be dead. Your child will be enslaved. Um, you know, you'll be enslaved. It's, there's no waiting this one out. So I'm glad we all are on the same page. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Wolf, thank for you. lending your voice, your talent, your reputation. We know you've been raked over the coals over this, but we thank you for, I know you don't consider yourself brave and maybe we don't really either. Um, and we're doing something in a much smaller way than you've done it. But I think what we do share is a conviction. 
And bravery comes from the conviction that now is the time and that everybody's life depends on it. So Absolutely. Truly. thank you so much. Thank for being you so much. Thank we you. love talking to you and <laughs> yes. we love reading this and we're going to make sure everybody else <laughs> thank does. Thank you all. <laughs> <laughs> it's really important. Thank you. <laughs> thank, you. Thank, you. Thank, you. Thank, you. thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. <laughs>